Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCrady. Welcome to the series At the House. My friends, if you can't be free at home, you can't really be free anywhere. And so it is true, if you're free at the house, then you're free anywhere you go, because you are the house of God. And when God makes you free at the greatest depths possible inside of you and in the most private place where you live, which is at your home, at your house, with your people, in your own skin, then my friends, you are getting free. It's time for us to care more about what's happening privately than what is happening publicly. And as I say in my book, From Trauma to Trust, until the church is free privately, she can never stand in her full authority publicly. So this is a very timely word. Take a listen, share it with others, subscribe, give Tent Talk a five-star review so that we can get it out to more listeners and the message can get out. Thanks so much for being with me today as we launch out the series, At the House. As I mentioned in our previous episode here in the series, At the House, and yes, this is At the House 6.0, so here we go for today. As I mentioned in a previous episode that maybe I would talk about how key true biblical forgiveness is at the house, in the deepest, deepest places of our lives. It is not enough to just attempt to be understanding and excusing of others' behavior. That is not true biblical forgiveness. We look at Ephesians 4.32 in the Amplified Classic, and paraphrasing it says, if you want to be tenderhearted, truly loving, and compassionate, forgive others as God has forgiven you in Christ. So if there's going to be any true godly tenderness, not human tenderness, if there's going to be any true godly compassion, not human compassion, but true godly compassion, tender-hearted, loving kindness, there has to be the deep, deep canceling and releasing of debts and for the payment of sin that we might then embrace all that the Father has provided for us at the house. We cannot say that we are homes born of Christ, houses born of Christ, and we keep trying to handle all of our issues, our traumas, our difficulties in human ways, by human means. And we definitely cannot keep creature worship um, operating. Creature worship, ooh, ooh, how this happens so deeply within our most significant relationships. And creature worship is uh, Romans one twenty five, where it says they exchanged the truth for a lie and they um, became worshipers of the creature rather than the creator. You see, when God ceased to be the source of man, When he ceased to be life to us, the source of all love to us that is freely received, therefore freely given, man became in bondage to himself 
and to others. Therefore, we claw and scrape trying to get from others what it is that we need. Now, you can try to dress it up and uh, call it Christian, but my friends, Christian is that which is of Christ. It is not some moral, nice, cultural Christianity. It's born of the cross of Jesus Christ. And when the cross begins to cut within us at the house, in the deepest parts of us personally, inside our own skin, in our spirit, then it's going to begin to flow from God to us, say, from God to you personally. And then, my friends, I promise you, it is going to flow to others. In the most powerful way, it is so powerfully freeing. Now, it takes takes time to embrace God's way of life because, unfortunately, it is not what is promoted and provoked uh, in, in the house of God, in His church, for the most part. Sometimes it's taught, but it is not lived out. We teach it as theory. We teach it as principle. And then we turn right around as soon as we say amen and we start scrapping and clawing. But from the beginning, my friends, actually before the beginning, right, before the foundations of the world, it was always God's heart that he would have maturing sons who would fully share in his life and in his love so that therefore we would have interrelating going on, not codependency, but interdependency going on with others where we would never allow someone to make us their source putting ungodly demands on us, nor would we be putting ungodly demands on them to be something to us that they were never meant to be, nor would we be trying to be something to them that we were never meant to be, that there would be God's way of life where there is true love, mutual submission, reciprocal respect and honor that comes from the value that God has placed on us. You see, until this gets really in front of us for our destiny relationships, right? Because let's just all get clear, right? That relationships can haunt us more than anything else. The trauma within relationships can taint us. That's what trauma wants to do. It just wants to smear it, smear you know what (laughs) all over you. Okay, to be biblical, it wants to smear dung all over you. And then the, the counterfeit, you see, wants to forever taint the original. Therefore, when the original shows up, we're, we're, we're like, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not interested. Because we've had so much of the counterfeit. But when the cross comes in and begins to awaken us, rectify us, bring us back to him, restore all things to him... Right? Because remember, sin is not just bad behavior. It's a completely different way of life. It's a completely different way of relating to God. It's where I try to perform so that I can earn from God. Total, total evil, total wickedness to do that. It is a way of living with other people where I scam and use people, where I try to be good to them so they'll be good to me. It's a completely different economy, a completely different culture. That's why God has no affinity for it. It's not just bad behavior. It's another way of living from the pits of hell. And when we are his, 
are we truly embracing his way of life or have we just gotten, you know, we got delivered from the evil side of the tree and now we're trying to live from the good side of the tree. Uh, and, and this is not how Jesus himself lived. So when, when God had in his heart to have sons who would share in his life, that's why Jesus, it was the Christ in the garden, the tree of life, because good and evil were on another tree. The tree of life, my friends, is life himself. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And when we are receiving of him, we are learning what it really means to live in our birthright. It means that there are things I have received by the right of birth, being born again in him, that now I am able to have all of my need met in him as my source. Like he really means this. But self, okay, this other way of living, okay, where the where it's self, it's a nature that's completely separate from the nature of God. It has a power called sin. It has fruit called flesh, the very behavior that shows up as a result of that nature and of that power. And it wants to meet all its own needs out of its own resources independent from God. Now, when all of that fails in our relationships, let's just say, at the house, we're left with deep bitterness because bitterness is due to unfulfilled expectations in life. And then when we set out to try to handle our own anger, bitterness, resentment, disappointment, (laughs) it just starts to go from bad to worse. Because now not only are the needs going unmet because we are refusing to take them to God, it's not because some other creature at your house is refusing to meet them. Now, they they may well uh, not be keeping their vows that this is true. But again, remember, here under the big tent of God's presence, we're always going to let the cross be working. God is going to first, listen, it's not okay with God that others mistreat you or that you mistreat others, trust me. But God is coming for you and him. So the, when, when God begins to really deeply work as you mature, he begins to reveal to you and will ask you things like, why do you keep taking your need to another source other than me? I'm just going to tell you, I can remember the day that God said to me, Nancy, I'm not going to pimp for you. Now, God actually spoke to me like that. It's because he knew I could understand the language. Because I was complaining about my husband and why won't he do this and this and look at all that I do. And Now, this was 25 plus years ago, all right, but I'm telling you, this was intense. And I'm like asking God, I'm sitting there at a table for two, God and I, And God is there with all the love, who he is, ready to meet every need. And I am saying to him, could you go get me another human? Could you get me somebody to make me happy? And of course, God, in his most loving, wonderful way, said, no, I'm not going to go get you someone else to fix you. And I'm not going to fix someone else to fix you. I'm bringing you to me. And he very clearly said to me, I will not pimp for you. I'm not going to go out and get other lovers for you. I'm drawing you, Nancy, to myself. Let me tell you, those were some wild years. So what I'm talking to you about 
doesn't happen overnight. Let's all bow our heads and pray. Let's determine to no. No, this is where God, in the big tent of his presence, the marriage tent, if you will, your oneness with him, he speaks to you. He's bringing you to himself. And he's going to deal, trust me, with every bitterness, every wound, every unfulfilled expectation. But he's going to reveal to you that at its core and at its depth is because we keep going to a source other than him. When we turn in our own repentance, the gift of God given to us, a gift of repentance, and he says then in 2 Corinthians 7, 9, and 10 in the Amplified Classic, now if you'll permit me to direct your pain, he says with it will come deliverance, salvation, and with it no regret. Oh, my friends, I cannot encourage you enough to go this direction and to realize that when we get honest with God, I do this with everybody that I personally disciple because it must become our way of life, his way of life, is, is we begin to really look at how did God forgive me in Christ? Therefore, that's how I am to forgive others who have truly wounded me, who have acted against me, who may have slandered me, uh, lied to me, unfaithful to me, and I to them, because we all eventually, this could be a whole nother series, we all eventually have to see that we're all love failures. We are all failures at love. And if we could begin to see how it is that God is at work in us and what he's after, and he could begin to reveal to us, because let me tell you what, just you, you know, failing to love other people is not going to break you. But when you see him at new depths, when you see love himself, and you see what you've been whoring yourself after and chasing after and begging for from other humans, it'll break you. You can't give that to yourself. It's a gift, my friends, from the Father. And I'm praying that He's going to be giving out this gift liberally to you. Because just because I talk about this on a podcast, that's not that might not be enough <laughs> to get to get the, the piercing work. Ooh, when God Himself brings truth to you out of His great love for you. You see, every command in the scripture is an expression of God's own way of living, how he lives. He speaks the truth to us in love. That's why he tells us to speak the truth in love. It's his lifestyle. It's his way of life. But the more that we keep seeking life and love outside of him, the greater the disappointment, the greater the ground is given to the root of bitterness in our thinking and living. And when we are letting bitterness Talk to us, my friends. There becomes one opinion, and let me tell you, it's yours. We get drawn away by what James 1.14 says. We get drawn away then by our own lust and passions. And listen to me now. It's so important to catch this. Sin is not just a verb, just an action that you do. It's a power. And you can't indulge it 
and it not start taking more ground inside of you. This is when we get mocked, is we think we can keep sowing to our flesh, and it's not going to take more ground in us. Oh, it is. Trust me, it can take you places you never meant to go, make you stay longer than you meant to stay, pay more than you meant to pay. And and this is how it deludes us and deceives us. It's a delusive power. And what can happen is, is that we become so burdened with the bitterness of unfulfilled expectations that we just can't believe other people continue to treat us this way. But I'm saying to you what we've got to see before we walk in true biblical forgiveness, my friends, the lights have to come on so bright within us for us to see the things that God wants us to see. Because unless God shows us what we are truly forgiving others for, right? We don't even know what we're really forgiving them for. We don't see even what we have been forgiven so that then we can turn and forgive others as we have been forgiven. And then let me tell you what, on the other side of true biblical forgiveness by the cross of Jesus Christ, my friends, you're not going to live the same. You're not going to be the same. Trust me. Forgiveness through the cross is the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, slaughters of flesh and that old way of life that there is when, God, when you do it God's way. When you get up on the other side and the life of Christ in you, right? Now you're, you're letting the Father cultivate your real life. You've stopped living after the old and you're living by your true nature, the nature of Christ. My friends, that nature doesn't live the same way as the old. It doesn't go around expecting other people to be its source. It just doesn't live like that. So I'm going to tell you what, this will free up your time. I could free up your time for the coming days of, of all the, the fabulous uh, work that we're about to be equipped for in the body of Christ. Our hands are no longer going to be slackened by our side. Our knees are no, gonna, no longer going to be tottering with bitterness where we can barely walk. We don't have any strength to grab anything. Our minds are bitter. We're so self-indulgent privately like Esau in Hebrews 12. Oh, no, no, that... I'm telling you, when biblical justice begins to flow like a mighty river, oh my. Ooh, when the sons say, Father, I don't need any bowl of stew from the world. I don't need what anybody else can give me. Father, I repent. I turn. Thank you for this gift of repentance, of seeing things your way. And I turn now to you and I say, Father, deal with me as with a son and bring me into life. My friends, you won't live the same way with God, yourself, or with others when this begins to take root in you. Not the root of bitterness, but the, but the root of Christ's life within you flourishing. Hmm? So that's enough for today. Maybe I'll take one aspect of what I've shared today and we'll talk a little bit more about it tomorrow. But at the house, my friends, it gets real and it gets serious and it becomes a delight to live in this kind of freedom. Because when Jesus said, come to me, learn of me, he meant it. He said, take on my yoke. It's easy. Listen to me, my friends. The yoke of Jesus is easy because the fear of man isn't in it. 
People-pleasing isn't in it. Bitterness isn't in it. We're not talking about living according to cultural Christianity. You can see this in my book, From Trauma to Trust. Cultural Christianity is not what the Father is after. We have created a monster. Can I just can I just say this? We've created a monster and called it Christianity. We've created a machine, and it is not of our Father. And He has come and knows how to deliver those who truly belong to Him. We need to let Him come to the house, come to us, His way, for His purposes. So, there you have it. I love you all. We'll talk soon. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.